The NFL schedule has been released. We can't wait to talk about that funness. And we also have the NBA playoffs slowly approaching. And Chad the Mark's going to stand by his predictions. Plus, author Mike Brown, umpire from a lot of different levels, joins the show. He's an author as well. Check out his book, and we talk a little bit about Cooperstown. But this is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome back to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. This is Chad the Mark with Mr. Brown, who's wearing sunglasses at night. <laughs> I wear my, my sunglasses at night and Canadian Biggie. Oh, he's back to being Canadian, not West Virginia. We appreciate that because the accent still holds true. You know, <laughs> well, eh? <laughs> Oakland should not move to Las Vegas. They should move to Canada, I, I and they could still be the A's. They'd wait, 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 A's. wait, wait, wait. I heard something today that the city council approved that the A's are they're going to build a stadium. I haven't seen that. I, I swear I saw that. Maybe I just saw that in like comments on social media, but we'll see what happens. But let, let's let's just start there. If if you're the A's and and you're moving, where do you go? Do you go to Vegas? Fargo. You're going to park the great white north. Yeah, baby. Dome baseball. I love it. Uh, no dome, baby. Minnesota doesn't have a dome anymore. They'll be all right. You can play in the same dome that NDSU uses. Maybe you'll win as many titles. That's right. Mm. All right. So if not Vegas, if not Fargo. <laughs> so people Nashville. Keep, people keep mentioning. So Nashville is a good I think Nashville and Charlotte. Maybe Indianapolis and New Orleans. People keep mentioning Portland. I'm like, are you out of your damn mind? No Portland. We we don't need more <laughs> sports rights. <laughs> They're not going to Portland. I'll say this. There's really only two options. It's Vegas or Memphis or Nashville. What about Montreal? That's three options. I, I think they're going to stay on the West Coast. <laughs> they have to. So it's going to be probably Vegas. They're not going to do a, a realignment. There's no way. You can't move them to the East and then have to shuffle things around. What would you? That's too much chaos. It's Vegas. You know why I know this? Look at the attendance for A's games. They could easily put a nightclub into the outfield. And nobody <laughs> would know the difference. Hey, right. I saw the Golden Knights. They average like 18,000 a game. Yeah. That, that's pretty respectable. Well, you got to think about it. If you're a fan of Raiders, Golden Knights, A's, Vegas is the cheapest place in America to fly to. You go down, you catch games two, three times a year. And you'd have to have Ricky Henderson throughout the first pitch of the first game. Who has more swag than Ricky Henderson in Vegas? I mean, that that's a – Why are you here, Ricky? That's a dream matchup Well, right Ricky, there. Ricky loves strippers, and uh, <laughs> they have the greatest strippers. Pass the Cravassier. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, ultimately, I hope the A's don't move. Maybe what I saw was just uh, wishful thinking, but maybe they stay there. I hope they stay in Oakland. I mean, they got to do something, though, because that stadium is terrible. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it, it is like not even close to being acceptable, right? I agree. There comes a certain point where you're a fan. Raiders have already lube, moved a lubed they, they, they shared the stadium uh <laughs> they've been lubing us gonna, fans for over 20 years so i promise you that if you're not going to support the team you don't deserve to have the team it's a good team i saw on mlb network yesterday that oakland has been at the coliseum since the late 60s yes they've hosted one all-star game because no one wants to go to a crappy old stadium no. and it was in the late 80s yes yeah, so they've hosted one all-star game in the late 80s yeah. in the last 50 there's years. been teams to host more than one since then but they aren't getting that shot no one's going to the coliseum for an all-star like game. they'll just do it in san francisco and count it as oakland it's crazy <laughs> it's so bad Ah, uh, even the I mean, Warriors moved across the bay. Do they still charge a dollar for soda? <laughs> Dave Justice is mad about that. <laughs> Look, if y'all haven't listened to Money or watched Moneyball, then we can't help you. That's a great movie. Anyway, the, right, so what's the deal with the Dodgers? So, yeah, let's let's keep it with the baseball here real quick. So we got NFL to talk about. We got NBA playoffs, but let's just keep it with baseball. The Dodgers, who started out on fire. You know, they're like the anti-A's. The A's started like 0-6 and, and then won like 11 or 12 in a row. And then you got the Dodgers who all of a sudden can't win games. Like, didn't they just get swept by the uh, – the uh, who they get swept by just now? Well, they just beat the Mariners. Oh, well, it's the Mariners. But That's I felt not like, really saying a whole lot. Was it the Giants that got them? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. The Dodgers are under 500, right? The Dodgers – 
right now, do you really want to know where the Dodgers are setting? What, I'll tell you where the Dodgers are setting. They're setting third in their own division at what? twenty and seventeen. Oh, at they're over five hundred. Didn't they start like eleven and two? So that means they're what nine and fifteen in their last twenty four. The Dodgers at seventeen losses have as many losses through thirty seven games. Yeah, twenty seven thirty seven games as all of last year's sixty game schedule. Okay, so they're they're a dumpster fire according to their standards. Why are they so bad? I mean, they're the four and six in their last ten. Okay, so it's not trending upward. No, nah. uh, you know, I know they got some injuries and things like that, but it's not nothing crazy. Why are they so bad? Well, it, your boy's out for the year. Uh, Dustin May's out for yeah. the year. That that breaks my heart. Yeah. Thank you, fantasy yeah. baseball. I mean, I, I, they're just not doing. Their they're starting pitching's good. Their bullpen's atrocious. Their their batting is inconsistent. One game they'll they'll score six or seven runs. The next game they're lucky to put one or two on the board. Yeah, I mean they're just all over the place. When I look at the Dodgers, the reason I think that they're have come back to earth, their third in their division is. Uh, a bottomless bullpen, and when I say bottomless, it means the amount of guys that can throw off there who can't throw a strike or can't get a batter out, and they're hitting. Like you said, one game they can score 9, 10, 11 runs. Next game, if they score two, they're good to go. Starting pitching is not the issue. Even with the issues or injuries they've had with May being out, to me, inconsistent lineup and no bullpen. So is it time for a fire sale? Come on, man. I'm I want a fire sale. If you're the Dodgers, though, this is not your your paragon of virtue that you set as a, as the leading franchise of the NL. They're two and a half games back in May, dude. They're, if they're doing anything, they're adding pieces. No. They're not subtracting. Blow anything. it up, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't think that with the Dodgers' last eight, ten years, division champs, got to win the World Series every year. They finally win it in the COVID season. This isn't the year where it all falls apart and they trade guys away. They're just – they'll still be adding at the deadline. They're the Yankees West. Absolutely. All they're doing is just they're, – they're going through the motions because they're bored right now. They're, they're still third in baseball in run differential. 40. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not bad. No, they'll be just fine, and I'll be willing to take the wager if anybody, including you two, if the Dodgers don't win that division. Nah, year. I'm not. I'm not going to take. I mean, the Padres have not impressed me enough to to jump on that bandwagon. Have they for you? I'll make that wager. Oh, oh, now can we do spicy ramen? We we do that. Yes, once. let's do that. Let's do spicy ramen. Two choices: spicy ramen or big timber. No, spicy, spicy ramen. ramen. All right, then spicy ramen it is. I you, believe we'll, we'll, take you, we'll take you to the, the hospital. At the end of the year. We'll take you to the hospital. The Padres take that division. <laughs> and you got to video it. The loser has to video it, but it's going to be you. Yes, we will have somebody. One of you two is going to be eating the spicy ramen. You so. know why I'm good with the video? Because Chad's already said on radio he'll take me to ER when I have to. I, I will. Tell you what. I love you, man. I, I'm not going to let you the die. The bet is the Dodgers win the division, so I'm giving you any other team in the division to win it, not just the Padres. That, that's fair. I yeah, accept No, that. I'm good with that. Because too. the Dodgers have won it. We got a handshake. Yeah. It's on the books, damn it. It could right. be the Giants, who's not uh, Zach Ford's very proud of right now, or yeah. the Padres. Yeah, yeah I'm not saying Dodgers Giants don't make the playoffs. I just think this year breaks their streak and winning the division. I hope so, because I want the Braves record to keep standing tall with their one World Series title. So, so let's Let's talk about your Braves real quick. What's going on we with them? Go there? Yeah, I didn't want to go there. Here's what happens. Every time we inch closer to 500, we lose two or three in a row. So we were at 500. We ran into the Blue Jays again. We're 0-6 against the Blue Jays this year. I'm glad we're done with them because I'm tired of seeing all these former players' kids just destroy us. We Boba got injuries. Uh, Acuna got hurt again today. Soroka's probably out for the year. Uh, Travis Darno's out. Our center fielder got hurt. Pache got hurt today. So I can keep going if you want. All right. So it's it's a long season, so we'll see how it is come all Will summer. Smith sucks ass. Hey, Melanson's doing good for the Padres. Yeah, three cool three million a yeah, year. Yeah. Big money. <laughs> I was, never I there was like a Will point Smith. where every NL East team was under five hundred. So I think you're okay even with the injuries. Yeah, I think we'll be there. It does suck about Soroka, though. We will at least be a wild card team at worst case scenario. Yeah. All right. I, I still buy I that. I just have one question for you. What's the deal with Freddie? He doesn't want to play. It, you don't want him. What's the deal? You're going to trade him at the deadline? He's family man. He's not getting traded, um, but I don't know if we'll sign him. I don't know where that's going to go. I, I don't know where his head's at. I don't know what I, I, like, I don't know what to expect. I've been watching every game, and like him and 
Azuna seemed like they got some kind of. It might be me reading too deep. You know how when players hit home runs, they all celebrate. Yeah, they kind of shun each other. Ooh, yep, their little beef there, little like, clubhouse uh, brouhaha. Like, everyone else gets into it, and him and Freddie just don't really like communicate after they do something well. Mmm, mm, trouble in paradise. I don't know. I, honestly, he's a California kid. I could see him going out west. I mean, the Angels got money too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they need a first baseman now. Pools. The imagine stars are imagine him and Pujols, or sorry, uh, him and Trout. Trout, back to back, one way or the other. Mm. It's pretty sweet. Otani. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Otani has been very impressive. You know, I, I wasn't sure how good he would well, be. Well, he was like in the last round of our fantasy, and he's like the number three player overall. Yeah. Hit, hitting Otani. Right. You got to buy both. But, you know, I thought maybe he would, uh, you know, hit the injury bug again. And, it's and right. not, you know, it is. So we'll see what happens. Biggie, I do want to ask you real quick. We briefly talked about this before the show. Your Mariners sitting around 500, so that that feels like a win, right? Second division at this point. I'll take it. All right, so who who's getting called up, man? Jared Kalenic. So what's the deal with him? Is it, Are we to Five believe the player, I'll say this. For any Mariners fans listening to this podcast, There's he is not. not Dustin Ackley. He is I, I going seen, to be I a baller. I've seen play right here in Charleston, yeah. by the way. Really? Yeah. Kalenic That's is right. going to be – They were a farm yeah, system. I've seen him play right here for the power. Clinic's going to be a five, six-time all-star. He, he, he's he got the tools. He will not disappoint. So the, the comparisons I saw was Bryce Harper. Yep. That's what people were saying hefty. he's most similar. That's hefty. That's, uh, that's I like, mean, I guess that means all you can do is throw him an outside fastball. He's going to strike out, right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, I mean, and they, they also but, are calling up their top pitching prospect. I don't know if you missed that Logan one. Logan Gilbert. Yes. So yep. did, didn't the Mariners have the best – Farm system coming second in. Second best. Farm second system. best. Okay. Yep. So I knew they had a good one anyway. So there's, there's, it's like one of those seasons as a Mariners fan where they start off good early and you're like, ooh, we got a good farm system. This so could be what's fun. your expectations? Are you just hoping that like come next year you'll be ready to compete or do you think they'll actually make enough, you know, difference this year? Well, coming in this year, I felt like, can we compete next year for a wild card spot and build from there? The way they have played so far this year, I feel like if these guys come up and play well, we could compete for that last wild card spot this year. Mm. Well, you know, our bullpen's been pretty solid. Starting pitching has not been horrible. Our offense is so hit or miss. That's our issue. Mm. Well, you know, it's it's only one of our issues. It's it's still early May. All right, we've touched on everything else. What about your Reds, brother? Hey, you know what? Outside of an early West Coast trip they made, they've been pretty competitive. They're pitching uh, outside of their their starting pitching. You're 500, right? Yeah, they're 500. Their bullpen has been atrocious. Amir Garrett has not been the answer. So is Antone? Is that his name? Is he going to be your closer, dude? And well, the problem with Antone is they not they're not using him in a closing role. They're using him for the long relief. So did he get that in three innings? Yes. Today? I mean, he he's a long – he's a guy – him and Lucas Sims are guys they bring in and they'll be like, you can go two to three innings for us. So right now you are St. Louis leading the division, Milwaukee's three back, and the Reds are four back. And you're six and four in your last ten. Your differential's eight. Yeah. Plus eight. Yeah. And, and honestly, the uh, it's amazing. I've never seen a team that can blow somebody out and then turn around the very next game and get blown out. That's, that's why the differential is where it is. But they still have the best offense in baseball right now. The pitching outside of the first five innings has got to get better. If that happens, they're actually a playoff team. If it doesn't happen, you know, they're going to win 75 games. We've got to schedule another trip, Cincy. We need Take to. Take the show on the road, fellas. We need to. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to go back to Cincinnati for a ball game like we did years ago. Uh, ducks quacking. Uh, we don't stuff. need to talk about me killing the damn ducks. No, you didn't kill the ducks. I you killed, killed the, the mother duck. Uh, you and we, we watched the baby ducks just I have walk, nightmares about walk that. aimlessly towards the side of the road. Mama, mama. Uh, they're just, when mama's nowhere to be they're found. They're walking folks. to death, and they don't even realize it. It but, was very clear. Chad turned the wheel slightly to that spot. It was 20 years to ago, take damn off it. the mama duck and then the rest of them. 20 years ago, and you all won't let me live it down. Well, I still have nightmares, so you got to uh, live it down, you, too. You, well, I, I do good blocking it out until you assholes bring it up. <laughs> That's really what happens. Well, you get to drive the next trip to a Reds game and make it different uh, this time. We had someone who witnessed it on coming from the other direction. The last time I went through on the way to the game, they do have a new sign-up. This is Duck Crawl. They do. No, right no, there. No. There's a, yeah. You bastards. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk more baseball. We're going to hit you with the interview. We got author Mike Brown. He's an umpire. He's a lot of fun. He's got some cool stories about Cooperstown and some golf with some all-time greats. So check out the interview next. 
Ladies and gentlemen, joining the show now, we went and tracked down. You know, we, we've had a run of a couple umpires, right? This is the second one we've had in a few weeks. Yeah, we've had two in a month. Yeah. Two in a month. I, I mean, I don't know why everybody's excited to hear about umpires, but, you know, we're going to go that route because it's baseball season. And, and, you know, it's nice to hear about the other side of the coin here. So we get to talk to the people behind the plate. We got Mike Brown, who is a longtime, you know, umpire in, in the high school level, but he has a book too called The Umpire's Bunkhouse Baseball Stories from Cooperstown Dreams Park. So I know that's available wherever you can pretty much find a book. I've seen it on Amazon, Walmart, wherever it's out there. But Mike, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Hey, good to see you guys. All right, so let's get started. Tell everybody a little bit just what your experience as an umpire. So uh, I did a little bit of research. I know you've been doing it for a long time. So tell me kind of what that umpire uh, career looks like for you. Well, I'm doing college, doing high school and some college and uh, mostly in Ohio. And uh, it's really good. I love it. And um, it's, a, it's a good thing to do. I'm a writer and uh, from way back. And it came to me to write this book from two years ago. I went to Cooperstown to the big tournament they have there. And it's an amazing tournament. But also for me, Cooperstown was my home 40 years ago. And I covered the Baseball Hall of Fame and uh, saw Willie, Willie, Willie and all the guys. And it was fantastic. See, we haven't made the trip yet to Cooperstown. It's on our bucket list. So uh, give us a few things there that you think we should be looking for uh, when we finally get to make the trip. Well, one thing, first thing you'll notice is how small the town is. It has one light. It's really tiny, and yet everything is baseball there. All the all the sports clubs. Uh, now, unfortunately, last year the the Dreams Park was closed, and that's a huge economic revenue. And this year, with with the induction ceremony, they're not going to allow the fans to come in. So they're really hurting economically. And uh, you know, it's, it's you say New York, everybody thinks of New York as New York City, but there's a lot of upstate New York. And Cooper sounds in the middle of nowhere, and I'm really worried about it. I have a great sense of pride for Cooperstown, and I, I worry about the economy. Now, I think it's awesome that you got the Baseball Hall of Fame right there in the middle of farm country, essentially, in upstate New York. But what is the uh, tournament that you're, you're referencing there, and, and what happens in Cooperstown? So what's so significant about it with uh, the baseball games? Yes, it's 13 weeks, and each week is a separate tournament. There are 104 teams per week that come in there. And they're, they're not like Williamsport. They're not that like the ones you see on TV. They're, they're recruited teams and they're 12 years old, but they're all almost all taller than I am. I'm 5'11. It's amazing to see how big they are and how hard they hit. The first year I was there was 2018. I was behind a plate and the first three guys up, bang, 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 hit home runs. And the final score was 34 to nothing. Oh my God. Oh, mercy. It's it's very competitive. And if you get to that final team, uh, the final two teams on Thursday night, they go through eight games and it's, it's cutthroat. It's really competitive. We, I was at my son's ball game last night and talking about the size of the players, man. I swear I looked at a shortstop on the other team and this kid filled out like Derek Jeter. I was like, is that Jeter over there? (laughs) He looked that big. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, I've talked, I worked at colleges for a long time and, uh, I had a lot of professors tell me they were convinced that it was the food processing, the chicken and all this enhancement. And that's why they're bigger because think about it. I was, when I played little league, I was five foot six and I was a really good player. And the <laughs> players now are five, ten, six, two, six, three, even. And uh, they're really good athletes, too. It's it's amazing to see them. At Cooperstown, uh, the claim to fame that, that you guys might have heard of, uh, uh, Mike um, Mike Trout and um, Price, and they, they, have, they have the best of the best. These guys come from all over the country, and they're really, really good. So guys like Mike Trout has played in this tournament. Oh, absolutely. He's a star okay. up there. He's, he's on all the website. He's. He's the one of the guys they point to. All right. So when when did you start umpiring or, or being involved in the tournament? Well, I got invited to go up there by a guy that's in my book. And, and it's funny. Um, he said, do you want to go to Cooperstown? Uh, there's a big tournament up there and it's national. And I think you're good enough. You want to go up there. And he didn't know that I had lived in Cooperstown 
1979 to 83. So I know the place really well and I love it. And I went up there and, and I had no idea what the tournament was all about, but I saw how good they were and, and I umpired it well. And last year I made the tournament finals, which is quite an honor for most of the guys, but I don't do it for the glory. It's just, it's competition three games a day and you're umpiring and try to be the best you can be. And it's, it's amazing. Uh, you got to be sharp to be there in Cooperstown. All right, so since you've been up there, even just going back throughout the history of you calling games, you talk about the size of the players and when that started to change here at the Little League level. When did you really notice, like, man, these kids are starting to get just monstrous size? I think about 20 years ago, uh, I saw an, I saw an uptick. I saw the average, a- average uh, age got to the point where every team had one player that was maybe 5'11", but now then 10, 12, 20 years ago, all of a sudden they had five guys that were that big. And then he started joking about it. The running joke, of course, is we got to go check the birth certificates. <laughs> you don't want no Danny Almonte's walking through the door. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But I've seen the overall growth of baseball, but it hasn't changed. It's still like Ted Williams said. He told me this in person. It's a, it's the most difficult sport of all. You know, you think about the, the, the bat, the bat's round, the ball's coming in at 90 miles an hour. You got to hit it right square to hit it anywhere. It's a very difficult thing. A, a, a friend of mine from Vermont is uh, trying to get her, her son, her eight-year-old son, who's a pretty big guy, but he's trying to learn baseball, and he's terrible at it. And I said it takes a long time. It's a very difficult sport to play. And it's a very demanding sport. You know, uh, from an umpire's point of view, uh, I, I've done last night uh, a varsity game in Zanesville, Ohio, and it was very. It was a four-to-two game. It was a classic game. There's about 400 people there. Uh, the, the cat calls, you could hear the, the, the fans up on the hillside. What do you mean, um, you can fit that strike, fit your strike zone in the shoebox. You know? Come on, Blue. <laughs> that's right. You hear it all. And that's why I love it. So, so you baited me in. I heard you. I thought I heard you correctly. Where did you meet Ted at? Yeah. Tell us that story. Well, that was in Cooperstown, New York, but also in Vermont. He had a home in Vermont for a while. And uh, I have his autograph, and I have a picture in my office, and uh, it's near and dear to me. Uh, Joe DiMaggio is another near and dear to me. He was golfing, and I was friends with the um, the Baseball Hall of Fame, Bill Guilfoyle, who since died. He's a great man. And he called me up, and, you know, when you're, I was a sports editor of the paper at the time, and they don't sleep much, you know. So Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, the phone rings. You figure somebody died, right? And he, it's Bill Guilfoyle on the phone. He said, Mike, how soon can you get to Cooperstown? And I said, well, I guess a half an hour. And I was sleepy. I was tired. And he, I got up there in half an hour and I got the golf with Brooks Robinson and Joe oh, DiMaggio to Cooperstown. And it was amazing. And they didn't ah. want to talk about baseball. They talked about the hunting. And that's why Bill called me because he knew I hunted and I fished and I, he knew that's what I could talk about. And, you know, everything from the women to the trout and the the pike and the the deer and the turkeys, it was a great time. And I'm jealous now. That sounds like a good day. That's a hell of a story right there. Man, are they they any good at golf, though? Let let me ask you that. (laughs) Brooks Robinson was great. He was fantastic. Of course he is. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, you know, Joe, Joe was very quiet. He didn't sign many autographs, but he he agreed. I had his picture on the front page of the paper and he agreed to sign that. And that, that's a treasured momentum also memento that I've had all this last 40 some odd years. Man, nice. hey, here we are supposed to be talking about like umpire stuff. And now we're just getting into these crazy stories that are kind of cool. But uh, man, uh, that's that's awesome. So uh, so you're saying we should probably move to Cooperstown to see if we can get opportunities like this. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in Cooperstown for four months to the winter. It's frozen cold. And there's not much going on there, but it's a great place to visit. And when you go, I know you guys would love it. And it's, it's a sports town and it's a, everybody's into baseball. Everybody talks baseball all, all year round. Yeah. I think for us, we definitely want to go when they're doing an induction weekend just to try to pick our spot there. And, and, you know, I think we were probably more primed to go this past year than ever, but, you know, obviously COVID kind of had that, you know, go off the, the schedule. So I guess our, our our question just for us visiting Cooperstown, because it's like an eight or nine hour drive for us to get up there. Is it 
is it good to go anytime or, or should we really pinpoint that Hall of Fame weekend? Is it too crowded? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, don't don't go on the Hall of Fame weekend. Um, uh, it, it'll be too crowded. I would go in October. In October, the foliage is incredible. There's hardly anybody around, but you can get unlimited access to all the people that are there. And it's really good. It's it, and it's also the rates are a lot better in October than it is in July. Okay, duly noted. See, yeah. this is we're gaining something from this interview already. <laughs> and so, hey, I like that hat you have on because you see what I'm wearing. I, you know, bat, Battle of Ohio. You know, I, I gotta say, you Cleveland kind of owns Cincinnati the past decade when it comes to that matchup. But so far this year hasn't been too lopsided. Well, it's it's in my book in the out in the umpire's bunkhouse. I'm as a I was a reporter for about twenty years, and you're not supposed to be rooting for any teams, you know. And w- one of the stories in there was George Vexy was from the New York Times, and uh, Willie Stargell from the Pirates is playing in the Baseball Hall of Fame game in Cooperstown, and he hit a monstrous home run. And both George and I, we looked at each other. We both had stood up, and we were so excited. And we calmed down. We sat down, and George said, "We'll never forget that moment, will we?" And it was fantastic. Hmm. All right. So before we, I, I want to hear definitely a little bit about the book. But before I ask you anything about it, as an umpire, I got two questions for you. One is just what's your what's your favorite place to be at on the diamond? Do you have a preference? Where do you like to be? I like I like the plate. I do most of the games on the, behind the plate. Uh, it's fascinating to see at different levels like uh, doing some college this spring, how a uh, pitch is right across the strike zone, what I call the strike zone, the letters. You know, I'm old school, and I call that a strike, and they play players turn around and look at me like, that's not a strike. And they have that little box in their head. They watch television, and they see that little box, which is below the belt, and they think that's a strike. And it's really difficult. And of course, when, you, when you're calling an all-star game in a tournament with 12-year-olds, your strike zone is above, above the shoulders because you can't be there all day. You got to you got to call strikes. You got to get them to hit the ball. So everyone has their different call. So what, what's your favorite? What, how's your uh, strike three call? Yeah, going? you just rung somebody up. What does that sound like? Well, it depends on what level it is. If it's twelve year old, you know, I'm, I'm sensitive that it could be the first or the all last. Right, so time we'll, we'll skip all that. So, Take us to like the high school or college. In high school, last night I called a guy out. And I went, that's strike three. And I was, <laughs> and everybody, all the guys heard it and up on the bleachers and, and all that bank embankment I told you about, it was amazing. There's a steep embankment that leads up to the school. And uh, come on, blue. That's it. I heard it. I heard it all game. And after the game, I, the coach walked by me and the coach is a, a three time state champion in Ohio. And he's been around the block. He's about 70 years old. He's, He's he's a real good coach, and I didn't know what he was going to say. And he came over to us two umpires talking. He said, "You guys did a really good job," and that meant me. to hear that from him. That that meant a lot. Hey, that's the best compliment you can get. So my my other question I had for you is just we've talked to some some people who have umpired before, and especially since you've done everything from little league all the way up to college. Give me a horror story. We always like hearing the the good, bad, and everything in between. So give me give me a time where maybe a fan got a little too rowdy. You had to kind of check somebody. You got any stories like that you want to share? Oh, well, I do. Uh, uh, it's it's kind of a bad story, but it's funny. Um, I threw a coach out two summers ago, and it was a Saturday night. And I'm not going to tell you the city where it was, but people on Saturday night in Ohio tend to tip a few beers, if you will, and <laughs> By the seventh inning, I swear to God, everybody was drunk. And I think the coach was drunk. <laughs> and for the fourth time, he came out at me. And I didn't even wait to hear him. I said, you're out of here. Goodbye. Just like that. And the fans in the old stadium was built in 1940. So it, it's got an old feel to it, right? And all around me were these fans. And I could see their necks bulging and their eyes popping out of their heads. <laughs> and they were going to kill me. And it turns out the coach was a hometown hero. It was a guy that everybody liked. And he, the coach apologized to me after the game, but it was brutal. I mean, it was, I thought they were going to come and get me. You, you were trying to, you know, take it out on their hero there. What did he do that was so bad? Like, what was he arguing? What, what caused him to come out? 
uh, balls and strikes, you know, and, and he was 75 feet away from me calling, you know, he was arguing with me saying, that's a ball, that's a strike, that's a ball. That's can't inside. Argue balls and strikes, man. Yeah, you, you can see that clearly from the dugout too, right? <laughs> I know, the, fans, the fans don't know that. The fans don't know that. So they, they, they take it as it is. But I think they had some lubrication going on. <laughs> that mm. that happens. Hey, mm. sounds like sounds like a good time for the most part until they get a little too rowdy like that. I understand. It, it, it is. It's all kinds. You know, all kinds of people. They have a tough week. It's tough going on, and they come out to the games and they take it out on the umpire. That's 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 part of the ritual. It's increased a lot in the last few years. I mentioned that in the book. It's 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 increasingly a, tr- a problem. You know, you've got you know you've you've heard the stories. You've seen the videos from all over the country of. Of, of umpires getting physically assaulted and uh, we had two years ago we had a, a police escort out of a stadium because we had two guys who were coming after us a- outside mm-hmm. the stadium they were coming to get us and you know it was just a matter of balls and strikes and they they just lost it so just to remind everybody we have mike brown joining us who's been an umpire from the little league level up for for a long time and he's got a book out there called The Umpire's Bunkhouse, Baseball Stories from Cooperstown's Dreams Park. So let's talk a little bit about the book. How did that come about? What caused you to kind of finally put pen to paper? And what's all in the book? Well, I've been a writer all my life. And I I, I started taking a notebook around to the games. And in between, see, see, we umpires, we stay in a cabin. We stay in in the bunkhouse. And it's 12 men. And believe me, it's like summer camp. There's no heat, no air conditioning. You know, you get to know each other pretty well. And I had an encounter in the bathroom. Uh, there's a communal bathroom and everybody showers the same place, you know, each same place. You live with these guys all week. And he, he told me a story about his best friend who was also an umpire. He went to see him and he was going to die soon and he made him a dessert. And, you know, it, it just, this guy was a, a tough umpire, but he told me this story with tears in his eyes and it really touched me. And, so I wrote that story down, and uh, so that's what it came down to. All these different people, I took a notebook out, and I asked their permission, and they gave me all kinds of insight. You know, one guy was from Pennsylvania. It was an amazing story. He was nine years old, and his father had never seen him play baseball, and he was going to come and see him play for the first time that night. And he Nate, Nate, Nate was his name. Nate the Great was his name, and he went to sleep. And his older brother woke him up and he said, hey, Nate, wake up. Your father's downstairs. He just died. Mm. And, you know, it sounds like a sad story. But, you know, Nate told me that with with a gleam in his eye. And and it was a true story. And all these stories are true. You know, these are all true stories about umpires who the average person doesn't know umpires. They, They have guys in blue. They wear the mask. They don't know their names. They don't know anything about them. But I really I broke the ice. I, I went in and I told the stories of each one of these umpires about 100 different umpires I wrote about in the book. Mm. So it was it was revealing. Now, I, I can appreciate that. My dad uh, umpired, you know, at a lot of levels for a long time. And, uh, you know, he, he loved to do it for the kids. But, you know, there, there's always the baggage that comes with the, the parents and and things like that. Yeah. You know, nobody if the umpire is ever at a center of attention, it's never a good thing. <laughs> Um, that's right but, so so um where where can people find the book if we want to check it out where where's the best place to track it down yeah the best way to do it is my publisher from colorado is called the uh outskirts press and if you punch up on the computer outskirts press and you'll find mike brown and the umpires bunk pretty easily and you can order from them i think they're charging about 14 dollars, pretty reasonable and then yeah. they're also available at, at barnes and noble and uh, uh, Amazon, a lot of people go on Amazon too together. All right, good deal. Well, man, we appreciate the stories. We appreciate the insight. And, and like I said, you know, we we just appreciate you being the umpire. And I know with travel ball and all that stuff, it, it gets a little crazy with the parents out there. So uh, are you still active with umpiring? Do you plan on hanging it up anytime soon if you are? Oh, oh no, I'm going to do it till I'm 100 years old. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I love it so much. I, I'm on a, a one-man a pedestal, a little campaign in Ohio. We have some of the lowest pay in the in the country, and we get fifty five dollars for a varsity game and forty two for a JV. Ooh, that is low. 
It is low. Most people in the public don't know that. If you go to Vermont and New York, you get $123 a game. So we're doing the same game, the same job, but we're getting, you know, a third of the pay. Third of the pay yeah. yeah. I felt like my old man was making like $75 in hot dogs and a soda back, you know, 15 so, years ago. Yeah. So. We don't even get a hot dog and a soda most of the time. Uh, what about, do they at least give you a snow cone? I mean, something? No, no. Uh, get, this is, this is terrible. This, that's, that's terrible. All right, start a petition. Let us know where to sign it because we're going to support you getting at least a hot dog and a, and a snow cone because that's not right. right. Okay, well, well, we'll negotiate that. <laughs> All right, Mike, we appreciate you joining the show, brother. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, man, keep those knees healthy behind that plate. You're not getting any younger. I, I'm I'm only thirty. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be young soon. <laughs> we'll we'll take that for what it's worth. <laughs> okay. All right. So what you guys don't see right now, and we hope you appreciate the interview, by the way. But we're trying to wrap up the podcast, but because what's behind me right now, Mister Brown, got the NBA Jam Arcade game. NBA Jam Arcade, which has online capabilities. So right now, all we're wanting to do is finish the show so we can set this thing up and start hustling people online. Because you know what, back in the day, you know we could hold our own with some NBA Jam. Oh, it helps when you have Sean Kemp. It does. From way downtown. I don't know. Biggie, who's the first team you're going to play with? I am going to be the Seattle Supersonics. See, why does everybody say that? That's what I said. We can't all just be the Supersonics. I can't be the Bulls. They won't allow me to be. No, you can be the Bulls. The guy even came out and said he was a Pistons fan, and he made it so the Bulls would miss clutch <laughs> That's shots. That's right. Did you guys see that? I did see that. What is up with that? The guy who made the game coded it <laughs> so the Bulls would miss last-second shots against the Pistons. If I can have the Bulls and you can make my team, Scotty and Scotty and MJ, <laughs> Pip and Jordan. I think the, the Pistons on that game is Lambeer and Dumars. It is. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, so we're looking forward to that. But let's let's talk about current NBA. So so Biggie, I know you you got a little bit of knowledge on this. We got the play in, the playoffs, all this stuff happening. Is the NBA do they do they have their fingers crossed just hoping that we're getting a Warriors and Lakers like potential matchup here for the play in? I think they do, but right now I think they're kind of happy. Uh L.A. sitting in that seven spot. They've lost all the tiebreakers. So barring something happened here in the next two, three days, which is funky, they're in a playoff game. The way it sits right now is that it's Lakers, Golden State. It not set in stone, but but that's why it's trending. Yeah. Okay. That's that's good TV. That that's seven eight. The loser would have to play again. The winner moves on, takes the seven seed. The loser would play uh, Memphis San Antonio winner. To me, the NBA wins either way because say LA loses that game against Golden State, and then it's LeBron and the Lakers somehow happen to go against either Jaw with uh, the Grizzlies or with San Antonio and Greg Popovich. That's good TV. Okay. Do you have a, a dog in the fight, Mr. Brown? Clearly not. <laughs> Clearly not. So it, my question is, and I think people who have listened to our show long enough know that we are not – people who adorn LeBron with a lot of love. He's a great player, top, top player of all time, not the GOAT, but a great player. Is he done? Is it? Is this like him breaking down now? Can we sit there? Or is this like the caution that you use with Tom Brady where you want to say he's done, but you know he's not? No, because Brady's game isn't based off athleticism. I've said this for many years with LeBron, a really, really great player. His game is based off of his size and his athleticism. The things he, he can do at his all. size are just – there haven't been guys before him. He's 6'8", 245, 255. Guys before him that were Carl Malone, they didn't have his ability. So the way he's broken down in the last couple of years, we are seeing his demise because his game is based off of his skill set combined with his athleticism, which he is starting to lose, which, I mean, he's never – He's played ball his entire life. He's been in the league for 18 years. I'm not trying to knock on. I'm just saying that LeBron that we knew two or three years ago doesn't exist anymore, and he will never again. I don't feel like he's evolved his game with his age. At never. All. So if you look at Jordan, Jordan went from being a guy who finished at the rim to becoming a, a mid-range flyer. sniper. Yeah. He, he changed his Same game to dominate Kobe. a different way. Yep. 
Here's my favorite that you guys don't even know this. I looked this up the other day because I got in a conversation with somebody. Do you know you know what player efficiency rating is in the NBA? Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty unique stat, and it's actually pretty pretty good. Number one all time, do you know who it is? Most efficient player of all time is Michael Jordan. Do you know who number two is? It's LeBron James. It's, it's pretty close, but it's, you know, LeBron's behind. you know who number three is? Do you have a guess, Biggie? Kareem. No, it's Anthony freaking Davis. So think about that. So when you look at player efficiency rating, the number two and number three team or player of all time are on the same team right now, and they're going to possibly miss the playoffs. That's what you need to know about LeBron falling off right there. That's all I'm going to say. So I, I hope, I hope it's over. I'm ready for the baton to be passed. I'm ready for the next squad to come up. I'm ready for the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz to take control of the West. I, that's what I was going to say. I would like to see the Suns do well because I'm rooting for Chris Paul. Because it seems my like God, has he not made that team? Everywhere he goes, they become uh, they're credible. The Suns. He me, does not Suns, get his respect. He doesn't. This is the same team that was in the bubble last year that went undefeated, but because right. other teams won, they didn't make the playoffs. But I'm with you, Suns, Jazz, um, Nuggets, and even the Clippers, I would be good with. Absolutely. Those so, four teams. Here's the thing you just said with the Suns, and this has been me and Chad talked about this off air. Lakers are the seven. If they win that first game, they're locked in as a seven. Here's what happens. When they're locked in at the seven, they play Phoenix in the first round. So Phoenix has had this amazing season. They are 12, 13 games better than the Lakers. They'll play them in the first round. Now the Lakers did just beat the Suns this week, though. Yep. Is that is that telltale sign? I don't really. That was without LeBron. That was with the number three efficiency player of all time. (laughs) It was. It was with AD. He's he's playing. But all right, so that that that's where we're at. So the way the playoff bracket works is seven, eight, nine, and ten are all in this play-in bubble, right? My favorite thing about the plan bubble is that LeBron was in favor of it when he was the one. No, now he's been like, no, what the hell is this? Somebody needs to be fired. (laughs) I feel like he's a politician. His words are coming back. Last year it was like, yeah, let these guys fight it out. Yeah, now it's like, whoa, 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 what is this bullshit? Whoever (laughs) came up with this needs to be fired. (laughs) It's fantastic. All right, so So if I gave you guys one team outside of the top tier, so I'm going to give you Utah, Phoenix, Denver, Portland, Dallas, one of those five teams in the West are all in the playoffs guaranteed. They're all in the top six. One of those teams were to make a surprise run to the finals. Who is it? Clippers. Yeah, I agree. That was where I was going to go because they got the most talent. I, at least they have the stars. I said everybody except the Clippers. Oh, everybody oh, except the sorry, Clippers. Ah, we clearly just you, ignored what you said. Utah, Phoenix, Denver, <laughs> Portland, Dallas. Uh, Denver lost Jamal Murray. He's out for the year, right? Correct. Um, I, I like Phoenix, man. I really do. I just like they're they don't have the best record in the West for no reason. Like, so I would just ride with them. I'm gonna go with Captain Cove and Utah Jazz. Okay. I, I mean, that's not a bad pick either. I just I, I, I just I couldn't like pick the, the same. Also, I think that uh, what happened last year, coming in this year, the way they played, I just. I really like the Captain COVID. I would like Dallas if Porzingis could ever stay healthy. That's never going to happen. Dallas, I can't get with, man. I I, love Luca, but that's it. Like, I love the pudgy white boy out there balling out, but it's just not. I don't know. There's something that they're missing something. Yeah. Porzingis. (laughs) (laughs) If he were healthy, they'd be top three team. All right, Uh, so let me ask you this. Let's switch to the East real quick. I know we don't talk a lot of NBA, so a lot of our listeners are rather suffering right now or they're really intrigued because, my God, they're finally talking NBA. How good are the Knicks? The Knicks are damn good. It's a Tom Tom Thibodeau effect. They're playing defense, and here's the thing. The coach they had before him, David Fisdale, what do you expect me to do with seven power forwards? Tom Thibodeau comes in and says, I'm going to have every one of them play defense. I get, they're, they're on fire. Dude, like they've, they've, What's happened is here in the last month, they've like something's clicked, and they're just like, we're just not going to lose games now. But they've been playing well the majority of the season. They have been. but really hot in the last it, Right, and that's what you look for, right? The team that gets hot going into the playoffs, hopefully. Maybe. I don't know. Who's I, the I next best player? Randall. Yeah. 
Where'd it come from? Kentucky, number two, number three pick. He came, from the, he came so, from the Lakers, man. <laughs> he found his home. <laughs> yeah. He uh, was one of LeBron's uh, cast-offs. He, he's funny to watch because he plays this, like, I'm going to play with my back to the basket 15 feet away and do these, like, weird turnarounds, and it works. But I, I'm, I'm New York Knicks basketball being good is good for the NBA. That's great. It I is. mean, this is great. I hope this is the team that makes a run. I really do. I love the D-Rose signing down the stretch. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, it gives him depth, and he's playing well, and it gives him that, uh, you know, that – Playoff uh, right. pedigree. No, so to go back to when the when they got really a lot better and now they started just kicking everybody's ass is when D Rose was was there. Uh, that's what's changed. Two things I have to say about the East. One, the Atlanta Hawks after their coaching change, they brought in Nate McMillan. That guy knows how to motivate people and play ball because they went from being a team that wasn't going to make the playoffs. They're currently fourth in the East. That's amazing because I like as not being a big NBA watcher, I didn't think the Hawks were anywhere near the playoffs. Yep. I nope. said they was going to make the playoffs before the season started. You did, but you didn't know Nate McMillan was going to walk through oh, that door. Show. It was because of Clint Capella. Clint Capella and the <laughs> blonde spot. Yes. <laughs> fourth in the East right now. They would not be there without Nate McMillan. And the other thing I'd like to say is I was really big on my Chicago Bulls making the playoffs and making it easily. They're sitting on the outside looking in going into the They're going to be in the play-in, right? No. No, 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 no not no, even no. that. Barring some type of absolute miracle, they're two and a half behind the Wizards with like three to play. That's terrible. And, and, you know, Russ, let's, let's talk about that real quick. The Wizards, Russ Westbrook just broke the triple-double record past Oscar Robertson. I mean, but, you know, is he getting much love for that? I think I th- people's just used to it by now. And I, I honestly think they – a lot of people look at him as being overrated and, and a stat chaser. You know, he's he's more likely to have a triple-double than he is to make a basket when he shoots it. That's the percentages. But here's the thing I saw about Russell Westbrook. Uh, <laughs> what was that? I don't know. <laughs> He's hitting puberty. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> so they're they're 10th in the East right now. They're going to take the spot I thought the Bulls would have for sure and play the Pacers. Both Michael Jordan asked in 2016, who were you? Who, who in the league was you 30 years ago? He said Russell Westbrook. Kobe Bryant, before he died, who is the player in the league today that most resembles what you were as a player? Russell Westbrook. That grit, that hustle, that people, oh, we all crap on him because he's camping out for the rebound. Guys I, love his hustle. He Right. His hustle is great. Like, nobody can debate that. The problem with Russ is, one, I will, I'll be the first to tell you that assists are the most overrated category. I, I don't know if you agree with me on that or not. but I, I do because you can make the perfect pass to a wide-open teammate who bricks it. Right. So, I mean, assists are negligible sometimes. Now, the rebounding that Westbrook does, I think it's because he plays out of position. I'd rather have him in transition, not getting the rebound and trying to lead the, the whole thing on his own. But you know what? Hey, Washington, you're doing your thing. You're doing better than Houston did. You know, so Houston's not anywhere close to the playoffs. But anyway, I, I want to wrap up with this on the NBA thing. I said last week or at least the week before, I can't remember, the Nets and the Lakers will not play in the finals. I still stand by that. Have you guys come around to my sense of normalcy here at all? I told you before, I've said this since the moment they traded for James Harden. The Nets are going to the finals, and I'm not backing off of it. They're not playing together. They don't. They don't. There's no chemistry there. They don't need a ton of time playing together mm. with the way that those guys play. They mesh easier. So the Knicks are taking them out. I don't know who's taking them out. It'll be the Bucks. It'll be the Knicks. Hell, the Orlando Magic from a 16 seed will take them out. I don't know. Yeah. So right I, now, Brooklyn's a two seed. So their first round matchup is either Boston or Charlotte. I if they're healthy and they're playing, like they'll make a run. But I, we're talking about the finals only here, and I'm saying both of them are not making it. I'm still sticking by that. I've told you, you could say both don't make it. I've said that from the start, the Nets are making it. So you're with me on the Lakers right now. But I've been with you on the Lakers. Okay, but the Nets are the wild card here. No, the Nets are in. It's a foregone okay, conclusion. Okay, so no, but that's the one that we're we're disagreeing on yes, here. Sir. What, what, do we have a bet on this? Yeah. We bet uh, some Jim Beam versus some. We did. We bet alcohol. Man, I should have bet the spicy noodles. We could have made him go to the hospital twice. Well, uh, uh, jalapeno jalapeno <laughs> <laughs>
right, so NFL has this wonderful magic where they put out there where they're able to captivate everybody the entire year. It's it's the season. It's the Super Bowl. Then we stop. Then we have the NFL draft. And then they release the schedule in May, which is what we got now. So this is the first year we got a 17-game uh, you know, game schedule. It's a little different. Biggie, anything stand out to you uh, as far as the schedule release? I got a list of stuff I'm ready to talk about. Obviously, as a Patriots homer, the thing that stood out to me the most is Tom Brady coming back to Foxborough week, week four. four. All right, so here's the thing. If you go off of Tom Brady's projections on his yards per game, he will break the uh, Drew Brees all-time record for passing yards in Foxborough that week. And you know how I know this is all rigged? Because Jim Rome had a guy on today who does the NFL scheduling who actually said they reach out to the teams before they come up with the schedule. It's their final decision. But part of it is, when can we make games relevant? Jim Rome brought that game up specifically, and he said, in week four, that's a very relevant game. It may not be in week 15. Rack him. That's all I can say. All right, so how about let's go to the the Patriots again. They're playing the Bills in Week 16. Are the Patriots going to be relevant in Week 16? Oh, damn right, Mac Jones, baby. Yes, Bill <laughs> Payne. He's taking us back to the promised land. <laughs> all right, how about this for Week One? The Browns and the Chiefs. To me, if I'm the Browns, I absolutely hate this game. I want to play any team I can that's not the Chiefs that I can get off to one and zero start. Yeah, but if you play the Chiefs before they're dialed in, isn't that when you'd rather play them? They might be dialed in at this point. Uh, that's hard to say. I don't know. That's interesting. Chiefs completely built that, rebuilt that offensive line. All right, you got the Bills and Chiefs week five. That's at Buffalo. I love that game. That, that That's right after they kind of yeah. get out of the early starting blocks. That'll be interesting. Uh, you already mentioned Bucks and Patriots week four. Uh, Chiefs and Ravens week two. I feel like we always get the Chiefs and Ravens early in the season. Is that right? I like Lamar Jackson runs it in from the 47-yard line. <laughs> He's just going to take off and run. Yeah, that's don't, early Don't sport. forget my Raiders playing the Ravens opening day. And, and, well, the, the, the opening, opening week. Well, and opening they, they owe them that because they opened in the new stadium last yeah. year with no fans. Yeah. What's the coolest thing about the new stadium we saw this week? What was it in the end zone? The bar? Nightclub, baby, Nightclub. with yeah. a DJ. That's crazy. All it's going to take is one uh, Derek Carr pass. That's Aaron. <laughs> He's going to hit a DJ. Breaking bobbles of bubble. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so, you know, it, it's – I love how people get so worked up about the schedule. But you know who didn't get worked up about it? The guys that make the schedule asking if Aaron Rodgers is going to be in Green Bay. Like, they schedule games late in the year that are good games for the Packers, regardless of who they're playing. Like Packers Bears is always a good watchable game. I mean, it's a division game. You love it, but you know what's going to happen is you're going to have something come out of this Green Bay fiasco, and and we're going to be left with like some weird Sunday night matchups. Maybe I don't know. It is so as the saga continues to unfold. Where are you guys at right now? Is Aaron Rodgers still going to be a Green Bay Packer come week 17? I think he is a Packer unless he pulls a farm and doesn't show. That's the only way they trade him. I think it's a lot of rumor. I think it's the media blowing it up. I think he stays. I, I'm I'm with you. I feel like this kind of crap happens every year with, with Aaron Rodgers where he's upset about something and everybody makes a big deal about it, and then he'll tell you to relax. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. That's what's going to happen. It is what it is. He also has no leverage unless he's Deshaun Watson's age. At 38, you have no leverage. <laughs> I don't know how much leverage does Deshaun Watson have. I said his age. <laughs> uh, no. Not his situation. Uh, where's he going to? Is, is he going to get suspended, though? Like He's uh, going somewhere that they like oiling assholes. California. <laughs> Where's that going to be? <laughs> Jalapeno assholes. <Yes. laughs> All right. So, so what, what's regardless whether or not, because it's not a criminal case with him, it's just civil. He's going to get suspended at least four or six games, right? I would think so. It's been quiet lately. He isn't on the commissioner's exempt list yet because it's still working out. Yeah. But like, if it doesn't, he's going to be. Yeah. Like, you can't convince. But Roethlisberger, back in the day, for his transgressions, he got four games. So how much does Watson get? I'm going to say he gets six if he gets suspended. He's he, He'll get suspended. 
I'm not so sure he will. I, I, I am certain the he The NFL has taken a very disrespectful tone to this. <laughs> we, we don't care about women. <laughs> no. Deshaun Watson will get suspended at least a handful of games. I just don't know if it's going to be in a Texans uniform or somebody else. That's all. I don't see no one trading for the guy until they figure out what the suspension is. How could you? Why would you want to assume that risk? Let's send two first rounders your way for a guy that's going to go to jail. The only way they're getting it is if it's a complete uh, discount. I mean, that's the only way anyone's even going to attempt anything. Nah, it's just we're just in the hole. You know what's going to happen? They're going to announce he's on the commissioner's exempt list for this year, and the Raiders are going to send two firsts for him. Uh, That sounds like something Gruden would do. I mean, hey, get back on the phone. We might as well send two first rounders because guess what? We're just going to draft fourth round talent. Out there, that's right. The reachers. Don't get me started. The Las Vegas reachers. I was trying to stay calm during this discussion. <laughs> I'm just gonna burn it down. Oh, put the lighter down. Yeah. It'll be okay. All right, Young Blood. Right, what is his name? <laughs> Leatherwood. Leatherwood. Leather. You say Young Blood. Young Blood. <laughs> <laughs> Leatherwood. <laughs> Fourth round talent. At freaking first round. It's that's terrible. right. Oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> that's, that's Even Mel Kiper was like, I'm scratching my head here. The greatness He says, but that's normal with the Raiders these days. <laughs> I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> hey, if he pans out, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, you know, he's not. All right, so let's, let's wrap up. It's been fun talking to you guys this week. I'm ready to play some NBA Jam. Biggie, you had some pop culture, but before you hit that, I do want to tell you, I've been watching these A&E biographies that have been coming out the past couple of weeks. We've had Booker T. We've had – Shawn Michaels is coming out this Sunday. We've had uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. I mean, it's been phenomenal. These have been great. You get all these inside stories. I'm kind of a dork, and I know these already, but it's been great so far. Have you watched any of these? Chad, that was a perfect segue. I think that's what they call it because what I was going to lead the into segue is one of them scooters you drive, right? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, give it a few years. We'll see Biggie at Walmart one one. I've seen co- <laughs> a Can you get the shampoo for me? I can't reach the top shelf. <laughs> 20 years ago this week, Foley is Good was dropped. Do you Fo- guys remember that? Foley is Good. Yeah. yeah. Foley is Good. Not God. Good. New York Times bestseller. Yes. Foley has written several bestsellers. Do you guys remember that when that hit? It became a really big deal. He was like the first wrestler to kind of have a best-selling author like type thing. You yeah. Know, he paved the way for other guys to write books. And it was really weird because the character that he had on stage was not what you expected to have a book written about him. Right. He was still or, the mankind character, yep. so to speak. You know, So it is a little different. He had written three quarters of that book before it ever became where he was going to publish it. He contacted a publisher. Uh the reason I bring it up, it became a really big deal. Publisher had opened a bunch of avenues. He actually won a ton of money for Vince McMahon and Linda McMahon and the WWE because they were getting sued by the Parents Television Council over the WWE and their operations. He had done a ton of research on the WWE itself, actually had to go to court, testify. His handwritten notes were part of the WWE winning a landmark lawsuit. Against lawsuit. the PCTC. Really? I, now that I did not know. Hey, write that down. <laughs> Here is his quote from it. The end of the lawsuit, his book being published. I must have been over with the man to that point because on my birthday in 2001, I came home from Noble's Grove to find a recording from both Linda and Vince McMahon singing happy birthday to me on my answering machine. Mm. I wonder what that's like to get a voicemail from Vince McMahon. Hey, pal. Happy birthday to you. That's <laughs> exactly how it sounds. That's good shit. <laughs> His biography on A&E is on May 30th. Don't miss it. Oh, he's got one coming up? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Shawn Michaels is this weekend, so I'm looking forward to it. But I watched the one on Booker T, and it was phenomenal. And it made me like Booker T even more, just because – he turned down the AOL Time Warner money and just wanted to wrestle. He just wanted to go work. I didn't know that. All right. So, you know, we're wrestling dorks. At least I am, Biggie. You kind of are, Mr. Brown. You know, you were. 20, I like the vintage stuff. Tw- 25 years ago. Yeah. You're all about that life. I would put it this way. You're a nerd. I'm a dork. Yeah. I mean, what does that mean? It means you're more into it than I am. You're more productive. I do read it. the dirt sheets every day. I can't help it. 
Like I, I, I care. I don't know why. I, I, it's not like I watch every week. And I'm the kid that looks up at you both and goes, <laughs> right? I guess you yeah. know whatever. Chad's critical is. analysis. I enjoy the business. He criticizes the match setup. I, I, I will, but you know what? And that's what's great is when you have something great that happens on TV, and I'm not criticizing it, then you know it's that damn good. Yeah. Ooh. Anyway. So, you guys are ready to play some NBA Jam? We're ready. All right, let's wrap up the show and set the damn thing up. Who's, get, who's getting the Sonics first? All I know is that any team I pick will be, he's on fire, because I'm always on fire, and I'm going to dominate both of you jabronis. He don't go. know what he's walking into. Bro. You know where you are? You're in the jungle, baby, and you're going to die. Play the music. We're done.